There is a thin line between standing for God and falling into pride. And the determining factors are a person's character, one, and how they use the gifts God has given to them. If a person's character is wrong, they will manipulate their skills, their talents, their giftings from God to satiate their craving hearts. The believer with a gospel-saturated character will resist pride's temptation and love God and others more than anything else. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am reviewing the latest episode of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill from Christianity Today, the podcast that they have put out. There are at least a dozen episodes. The most current one just dropped today. This is Tuesday. October the 19th, 2021. I have listened to it. I want to give you a brief review. If you want to read my show notes, you can go to episode 368, and you're welcome to read the outline that I have presented to you. I also have a couple of videos that will be helpful for you to watch, a lot of embedded links. And by the way, All 12 of my reviews are listed in the show notes, and so you can click on them one by one and listen to the podcast or watch the video. I am creating a video for each one of these episodes so that you can read the show notes, listen to this podcast, or watch the video. And I do appreciate all of you who have commented on YouTube about this series. I'm thankful for your responses. It has helped to guide me along the way as far as how I respond to these episodes. And as always, if you want to talk to me directly, go to our free community forums on our ministry's website, and I would love to engage you with whatever questions that you may have. Again, this is episode 368 titled Response to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, episode number 12. Now, the title of the episode for Christianity Today, they are calling this a bonus episode. So this is a tweener. It is between the last episode they did and the final two. They say that there there are two more. And so they're calling this a bonus episode as they take a slight digression to talk about how Mars Hill Church initially associated uh, with a church planting ministry. And so they titled this episode, Boca Raton's Church Planting OG. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the acronym OG, it means original gangster is what it means. But of course, it also has other derivations as well. It basically means an original like first to market, the the boss, the authority in this particular field. And so what Christianity Today is saying, that there is a boss when it comes to church planning, a an authority, the, the OG, the original gangster. And so they titled this uh, Boca Raton's Church Planning OG. Now let me give you a brief episode uh, uh, or a summary of the episode and I want to tell you right up front I am I am just going to move right off this episode and I want to make personal application I mean my my aim from right from the beginning is to work through these episodes to help folks to think through the church that they attend the leadership culture of their church potentially identify things that may not be apparent What I don't want to do is to provide a Monday morning play-by-play critique of the actual episode and go 
go through it beat by beat. And my real hope is that you will gain personal insight through these reviews that I'm doing so that you can do more than just assess your church and come alongside your leaders to be a, be an encouragement to them, but so you can make personal application. And this episode, or what how I'm going to apply it, you will be able to make a lot of helpful, practical, personal assessment and application to your life. But let me give you a brief summary, and then I want to get into the more important part, the application aspect. Mark Driscoll had a relationship with a church planting pastor in Boca Raton. His name was David Nicholas in Boca Raton, Florida. He has passed away. But he had a relationship, he and his wife had a relationship with Mark Driscoll and, of course, many other people, and he is known for planting churches. Now, this relationship went sour because Mark was a rogue, unaccountable Christian leader. And so you could say that this bonus episode is just one more tack on redundant rendering about Mark being Mark. Christianity Today has shared this aspect of Mark's character and his personality repeatedly. I mean, right from jump, in every episode, multiple times, in all 12 episodes, they're saying that Mark is unaccountable, Mark is arrogant, Mark is full of pride, and this episode is just 45 minutes of saying that again. I get it. Mark is a horse nobody can ride. Unless you want to dip into a reality TV evangelical soap opera, this episode is not worth your time. In fact, there was a long comment on on our YouTube channel under the video titled, Why I Don't Recommend the Rise and and Fall of Mars Hill from Christianity Today. And, And this gentleman said basically the same thing. Now, it is interesting in the comments on YouTube under this video, Why I Don't Recommend It, that the likes and the dislikes are pretty close. Uh, A lot of people like what I say, don't recommend it, and then a lot of people dislike what I say, don't recommend it. And those those who dislike what I'm saying primarily are saying that this story needs to get out. And I do agree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. But if you listen to the video in context of why I don't recommend, I give several reasons, and I'm not going to repeat that here, but you can watch the video either on YouTube or it's embedded here in episode 368. But I do have legitimate reasons for not recommending this, and one of the reasons is that this has turned into a reality TV evangelical soap opera podcast show and it's really just not worth your time. It does not add value, especially since they have shared a version of this story so many times. But I also agree that it is worth understanding to a point because we don't want to repeat history. I mean, I have written three or four articles or podcasts on Sovereign Grace Ministries, which is a mirrored, corrupt organization like the Mars Hill organization was. And so there is value in communicating that information. But after a while, I mean, once it's stated, then, you know, it's stated. And so I don't 
right now is just an exercise in redundancy, and that's why I'm moving off of not talking so much about the episode, but making application. And so this is where I want to spend the bulk of this review of the Boca Raton episode from Christianity Today. The big idea in this episode is that any person, any ministry, any business that does not have God-managed character and unique accountability can go off the rails. And you need both of those things, God-managed character and then unique human accountability. Some people have said that character is what you do when nobody's looking, which is a poor definition of what character is. Someone is always looking. God is looking. If you have a strong theology, then you understand this, that God is omnipresent and he is omniscient, that his eyes move to and fro in all the earth, and he knows what our thoughts and intentions of our hearts are. Are that God is always looking, and that's why I say a God-managed character. It is a person who is sobered and even admonished by the reality that God is looking, not living in fear, uh, in debilitating fear, paranoid fear, but actually God-managed character uh, is the person who is living in thanksgiving, that God is there, as, as Genesis uh, 39.2 says, God was with Joseph in the most traumatic time of his entire life. God was with Joseph, and God is with us too. And so that is reason for thanksgiving, not a reason for paranoid fear. If we have paranoid fear about God always in our business, always watching, always looking, then those are things that we want to address. There is something that is in us that is wrong. Perhaps the shaping influences in our lives could be so damaging to us from a sanctification perspective that God being there and looking always there could be a a sinfully fearful thing. I was that way because of my relationship with my father. Uh, the authority, the primary authority figure in my life was so damaging that when I came into a relationship with the Lord 25 years later and began to hear about his omniscience and his omnipresence, that did not strike me as warm and fuzzy. In fact, that struck me as a person who wanted to obey the rules, to do everything right, to tick all the boxes. I was a perfect fit for a legalistic, fundamentalist uh, culture uh, because I wanted to do it right because God is watching. But that's not what this is. This, that's not how this should iterate in our lives. And so the big idea in this episode that if any individual does not have a God-managed character, that creates thanksgiving on our part, and unique accountability, then we can go off the rails. And what I mean by unique accountability, I'm talking about customized accountability to who you are, not being in a small group. A small group is fine. A small group helps in a limited way, but having someone who knows you. Now, I'm not suggesting that your accountability has to show up in your life when God regenerates you at 25 and they're with you until you die at the age of 91 or whenever you pass away. 
No, you'll have different accountability partners throughout your life because seasons change and we are transient people and our accountability partners will change as well. But the big idea is not having the same person in your life all of your life. I mean, that would be a huge plus, of course, but that could be a high bar for many of us. But the real thing that you want is to make sure that you have certain specific people in your life all along the way, even though it might be a revolving door. But you do want that unique accountability. And if we don't have that, we can be like Mark Driscoll. He did not have God-managed character, according to what Christianity Today is putting forth in this podcast series. And he did not have unique accountability. In fact, at one point in this episode, something that they have shared in a prior episode, but the suggestion was, several people made that suggestion that, Mark, you need to have accountability. And they have one of the suggestions was, you know, maybe you could, uh, you know, have John Piper as your accountability partner. And Mark Driscoll said, no, our church is bigger than his. And so he kind of shrugged that off, which is a baffling thing. I mean, I'm not saying that John Piper is qualified to offer accountability to Mark Driscoll, but they tried to, to put that out in front of him, and he shrugged it off regardless of who the individual was. We don't want to be like that. We want to have unique accountability in our lives. Now, interestingly enough, I was thinking about this whole idea about God-managed character and unique accountability over the past couple of days because there was a lady in our church, B, by the way, B, if you're listening to this podcast, big shout out to you. You were such an encouragement to Lucia and me this past Sunday. Thank you for your smile. Thank you for, I saw you coming. I saw you coming 50 feet away, and I knew you were coming to me, and uh, you were so much of an encouragement, and I was sharing your encouragement uh, with uh, one of our daughters, uh, Tristan. And uh, Tristan said, yeah, I know her. She, I sing with her in the choir. And so, B, if you haven't met Tristan, I want you to meet Tristan. Tristan is our daughter, and uh, you probably know her, I would assume. She's very busy uh, at our local church. But anyway, B came up to us, and she asked me that question Sunday about pride. What she talked about was the growth of our ministry. She has been following our ministry uh, for a while. She talked about how she had benefited from it and uses it so often, and she talked about how such endeavors, when they become larger, pride shows up to dismantle the work. And B is absolutely 100% positively correct. That is what happens. The, the more we grow, my grandmother used to say it this way. In fact, she told me this uh, many years ago. She died in 03, I think, something like 02, 03. She was almost 99 years old. And she would say, Ricky, don't forget your raisin. Now, my name on my birth certificate is Ricky, by the way. It's not Richard. My name is Ricky. I'm a Southern boy. She would say, Ricky, don't forget your raisin. And what she meant by that is don't ever forget how you were reared. Do not ever forget where you came from. Don't forget your raisin or don't forget your raisins. She's right. And B was saying that to me on Sunday, and I so appreciated the loving admonition because she has been, again, following our ministry. She's seen the growth of it, and uh, she was just well aware. I don't know why God put that on her heart, but I was very glad. I've been meditating on it for the past couple of days, and then this podcast drops from Christianity Today, and that's why I am applying it this way, because that is exactly what happened to Mark Driscoll. He did not have God-managed character, and he did not have unique 
accountability. And because of what B was saying and what Christianity Today is talking about in this podcast, I mean, I have I've thought about this for years. In fact, it's one of the reasons that we are in the legacy planning of our ministry. I have never been comfortable with my name on uh, on our website. In fact, if you paid close attention when I introduced this podcast, when I talked about our forums, I said you can go to our forums on our ministry's website. I didn't even give you the web address. I am not comfortable with my name being on the website, being at the head, the header of the ministry, because that's just not who I am. The reason we did it was for marketing reasons. It was the wisest thing to do from a marketing perspective. But I have been praying for many years that we would get to the place to where we could be something else because I'm not comfortable. That's not who I am personality-wise. And so the aim in our legacy planning, we're going to change the brand, and that's going to happen sooner than you're thinking. I mean, we're in it right now. I mean, we're talking with marketing firms and web development outfits now, and we're going to remove the focus from me and bring in those who can replace me while, of course, entrusting those plans to the Lord. I do recognize, as Proverbs 16, 9 says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I have been praying for my replacement since we started this ministry 13 and a half years ago. That person has not come come yet, or at least not a whole replacement, but God has sending, been sending us partial replacements all along the way. I did not anticipate this. I thought that someone would just come, a whole person, and they would replace me wholly. But actually what has been happening is the Lord has been sending individuals, and they have been slowly nipping away at me, replacing me piece by piece. For example, I no longer supervise the academic aspect of our mastermind program. Our world-class all-online training program teaches people how to disciple others. It's a fabulous program, all online. God has just used it in a very rich way in people's lives. I highly recommend it, but I don't do the academic aspect of the Mastermind program any longer. I continue to train our students. I'm talking to our students virtually every day, at least Monday through Friday, but not academically. So I'm very much involved practically, but not academically. And for the first 12 years of this program, I was involved both academically and practically, but now God has sent us three graduates of our program who take all of the academic phase. It is a fabulous thing, and that fits right into our legacy planning. And I pray that God will send us more gospel-centered writers who want to produce content and other people. We have brought Daniel Berger on board, for example, for our Life Over Coffee series. Uh, Somebody just said on YouTube, Uh, Just yesterday, I read a comment. If I can pull it up here quickly, I do want to uh, share that comment. Uh, I won't be able to uh, find it, Uh, but the person said, I'm so thankful that Life Over Coffee is back. She was missing it uh, because she enjoyed. There's been several people that have said that, but Daniel Berger is a piece of replacing me as well, and that is what I'm comfortable with. I mean, honestly, I think... 
humanly speaking, one of the things that has hurt our ministry is that I'm not a big personality front man. I am a behind-the-scenes, low-profile person. I've never been interested in the spotlight. I shared with with B uh, on Sunday that I'm an introvert, and she looked at me with big eyes <laughs> as I told her I'm an introvert by nature. It was a big surprise to her. You see, if I took the personality test, it would label me as a as an introvert. But and I could, and I could take that test and let that form my identity. But I refuse to do that. I reject personality testing by replacing those psychological selfies with gospel awareness. I was confronted with this many years ago. I've taken between 15 years of age and 25. I didn't know God, and so I went down the self-help route. I went down through all the personality testing. I, I went through PMA, Positive Mental Attitude, and all of those books. I've read dozens of those books and all of the psychological selfies or personality testings. They said, you know, you're 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 a collie or you know, you're a tree or you're you know, you're whatever. And I took that and it formed my identity. It what it did is it affirmed the worst parts of me, my introversion. And then once I had that affirmation, this is who I am, then there was no motivation to go out and to be something different. God has come to make us a new creation, not to make us a better version of what we were in our regenerated life, but to make us a new creation. And after I became aware of the gospel, the Lord confronted me with the warning. Here's the warning. You can keep your label from your personality test, and you can choose a lesser life, or you can repent of your introverted self-focus and go make disciples. And I chose repentance, as hard as it was. Now, I am many decades beyond that, and that's why B was looking at me like a a gate staring at a new fence, uh, like a cow staring at a new gate, rather. And she was looking at me like, you got to be kidding me. You're not an introvert. Oh, it wouldn't take me much to revert to my old self. But God confronted me, and he said, you can keep that label from your personality test if you want to. You can be that collie if you wish and choose a lesser life. Or you can repent of your introverted self-focus and go and make disciples. I chose repentance. But just choosing repentance, it's like, okay, I tick the box, I'm a different person, and I move on. No, that's not how it works. We repent, and then there is ongoing repenting. We repent initially, and then we keep on repenting. And as far as it comes to self-focused introversion, I'll have to repent every day of my life. It is ongoing repentance, and it has been. Well, uh, that was uh, in my early or in my mid-20s, and I am 60 two now, so whatever the math is, that's more than 35 years of walking out repentance. But the reason it's been hard for me, I just want to give you six reasons why repenting of my introvert, or fear of man is the biblical word that we're talking about here, why it's been so hard. One, not having a social template, a a biblical social template would be the more accurate way to say it on how to communicate my initial attempts at making disciples was really not that great. 
It just wasn't that great. When Lucia and I got married, I told her, I said, you're in charge of the social calendar because if I'm in charge of the social calendar, we'll never go anywhere. And then I followed up with that as you put things on the social calendar and make me go places with you, it won't be a pleasant experience for you, at least not in the beginning. I'll be the knot on the log in the other room and and hopefully I'll come, become fully domesticated so that I can change. And it has changed just a little bit. But because I didn't have a biblical social template on how to communicate, my initial attempts at making disciples, well, it was an uneasy process. Number two, I had to work through significant fear of man issues. You see, when people are big and God is small, it takes a lot of prayer and a lot of practice to overcome. But the key here is that are you going to be more influenced by the gospel, which has a going aspect to it, or are you going to be more influenced by your personality test that says, no, you're just a shy person and you just need to stay in your inward self? I had to work through significant fear of man issues. Number three, I could not let my failures constrain me to that lesser life with God. And so when I went out in my social attempts and failed at it, I had to work with God to see these as opportunities to appropriate His persevering grace. And then the fourth reason repentance was hard is that it was, in, it was vital for me to know my specific skills and where the best fit is for me. I'm in that place now. And so you have to learn what you're good at. So as you're going out to make disciples, you need to go out with your talents. You need to go out with your skills. You take your toolbox with you because you're making disciples. You're loving God and loving others more than anything else. And then number five, the bottom line is that I had to decide if I would love God and others more than myself. And then the final piece, number six, was to have the right people in your life to encourage you and confront you so you don't go off those rails. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Not only God-managed character, but unique accountability so you don't go off those rails. And the Lord has been very gracious to bring the right people at the right time to guide me. And the fruition of all these things that I'm talking about did not take its current shape until I was 48 years old. And this point is vital The shaping of the Lord is a time-incubated process that can take decades. And this is one of the problems with Mark Driscoll. It's those who want to hit their stride before their 30s that worry me. And so the question for you and me to answer in this podcast, do I want a God-managed character? Number two, do I want unique accountability in my life so that the fruit of that will be loving God and loving others. Mark Driscoll fell down on all three points. He did not have a God-managed character. He did not want unique accountability in his life. There was no ongoing repentance in his life to become that gospel-centered person. And, of course, his ministry, we know how it ended the rise and the fall of Mars Hill. This is episode 368. I'm reviewing episode number 12, titled Boca Raton's Church Planting OG. And it's about 
Mark connecting with a church planting pastor, and then, of course, that relationship falling apart and Mark going out and doing his own thing. I want to wrap up this episode by asking you a few application questions that I hope will tie a nice bow on it for you. Number one, a, a a set of questions, question sets. And so question set number one is, how has God gifted you? What are your skills? What are the one, two, or three things that come easily for you? And then the follow-up, how are you submitting those talents to the Lord for his seasoned incubation? I knew that God had given me a particular skill. He had given me a mind to be able to reflect and to analyze and to be able to think. That is a gift that God has given me. As I say, when I when you go to the mailbox and you have nothing else to think about, what do you think about? Well, when I have nothing else to think about, I think about people. I've been that way all my life. God has has given me that skill to think about people. And then after I became a Christian, it began to evolve. Oh, thinking about people, well, this is easy. Well, I want to go out and make disciples, and so I want to go and help them. God has given me the gift of suffering as well. And so I want to go out and help people who are suffering. But that required me to repent of my introversion to be a gospel-centered person. Question set number two, who are the people that speak into your life like the rails in a bowling alley? those who keep you out of the gutter. I said that's question set number two. There's only one question there. And then question set number three, do you label yourself as a Kali, a choleric, type A, or the more preferred gospel-centered person that is evolving out of human-centered labels into a unique Christ-centered person and personality? Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.